Welcome to Sidetrack number 10. This is our um, what, biannual periodic Star Wars review. Yes. <laughs> Basically, at this point. We, we kind of fell into a routine of always doing a sidetrack about the Star Wars movies as they come out. And usually um, a couple weeks after everyone's done talking about it. Yeah, but- we, we started off on the right foot, I think. The first one came up pretty quickly after, but since then it's been... Uh, yeah, diminishing returns. We, we could have done actually the night we saw it. That's true, because we actually saw this one together. And so I think it's one reason why we were okay waiting for a while to actually record it, because we were like, well, Nick and I have talked about it. But and we, we wanted to process it, because there's yeah. a lot happens in Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, when we went into Rise of... So we're going to talk about Rise of Skywalker, and then we'll talk about Mandalorian after yep. that, because that's another big Star Wars thing that's happened. What? Really? Uh, oh. Somewhat. Okay. I've heard these rumors about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I watched... It's Boba Fett, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> but Rise of Skywalker, going into it, I remember I was saying, from what I'd heard, they were, they were aiming for it not just to be the finale of the sequel trilogy, but of the entire Star Wars uh, Skywalker saga. Yeah. Which was a kind of a bold thing to to aim for. You're like, how are you doing that? Yes, exactly. Like, where do you go from... From the last Jedi, or I mean, just because everyone's beat up, and you're like, okay, there's not even like a bad guy outside Kylo Ren, right? Right. What, what's what's this even going to look like? Yeah. And then Palpatine's alive, or Deadman speak, or whatever the crawl said. Mm-hmm. And just side tr- side note, the scroll at the beginning of Star Wars movies is a wonderful device. Zach and I were talking about my brother that more movies could use this, except everyone would say you're just stealing off Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, the the weird thing is, I think it's a throwback. I, I think it yeah. used to be more serial movies did that kind of thing. Yeah. That's what that's why Star Wars did one. But yeah, no one else unfortunately can seem to get away with it. I mean, I guess if you look at some like '80s movies that are on Mystery Science Theater 3000, sometimes they try to do that, but <laughs> yeah. just never never quite as effective. Sometimes as people a Star Wars. sometimes people do like the like the newsreel or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But it's just very effective. Sort of like, wait, we can skip a year's worth of time and say. In media res, very quickly. <laughs> yeah, and it's always fun. I mean, it's always exciting to see that opening and the the long time ago and the, and yeah. the fanfare and and then you settle in for the opening crawl and you're like, okay, where where are we going now? Who knows? Yep. And so this one starts very quick. Mm-hmm. Um, Kylo Ren's killing people and then finding Palpatine, and you're like, oh, that happened in five minutes. Now, did you hear that? Apparently, that that planet was actually Mustafar. Was it really the first one? That's what I. That's what I've heard. The one that where he's like fighting people in like oh, woods. And, I did see. Lo- there's lava and stuff. Yeah, I mean, shot. yeah. They, they, they don't say a lot about where that is, but that's one of those things. And some people would be upset that that detail wasn't in there. But I'm like, you know what? It didn't really need. Like it, the scene got the job done. Got Kylo started on his quest, and it's kind of a cool fact. It's like, oh, there's more Mustafar than just lava pits. Yeah. And I think a lot of this stuff will now that Disney owns like Star Wars in every media known to man. They're like, hey, now we can do a story about the people who died during that, and yeah. you know, uh-huh. all that sort of stuff. Okay, let's talk about the return of Palpatine. Yes, we'll Dark get- Empire. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. Now, before the movie came out, had you seen the trailers about Palpatine coming back? I just heard his laugh on the one main trailer and figured he was back. I actually had assumed. That he was going to be some sort of like force ghost over some Sith planet or mm-hmm. something. I did not actually expect him to be. Or my first guess was not that he'd be actually there. Yeah. I think I was probably leaning that way too. But it's interesting. Okay. You talk about dark, if people who aren't familiar with Dark Empire. <laughs> I, just, I liked it when I, was, when I used to read it. But. 
I thought Dark Empire was dumb when I first saw it. When did you first see it? I well, I was probably in middle school. No, this was after college. Okay, see that's <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is, Palpatine being back this time actually kind of makes some sense and answers some questions from that have been lingering from the very beginning of the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Like where did the first order come from? How did they become as strong as they are? And it's not that surprising in the sense that the the man who was able to orchestrate the Clone Wars, orchestrate both sides of the Clone <laughs> Wars, would have a backup plan in case at something – At least one backup plan. At least one backup plan in case something happened. And apparently he had a, a whole planet of – Sith devotees that were ready to find his body and resuscitate him. He's got a, the thing that prequels did very well is that made Palpatine not just evil, but like absurdly cunning. Yeah. He, and, he, he wasn't just the cackling old man. He was a smart cackling old man. But Dark Empire, he was basically just... <laughs> yeah, I mean, because well, it was old. It wasn't new canon. It was before any of the prequels. Oh, <laughs> so if you don't know, Dark, Dark Empire, we keep mentioning it. The comic series from Dark Horse back, I don't know when... Right after the Thrawn trilogy and everything. And basically he had made clones of himself. Before, before anyone knew what the Clone Wars were even about, they just kind of took the whole clone thing from... Well, and the other dumb thing for me about Dark Empire was that there was apparently this ginormous Imperial fleet that was just hidden somewhere that suddenly it builds up. I think that was, if I remember right, that was one of the first times they had like portable Death Star technology. Oh, maybe. I don't remember. I mean, Kevin J. Anderson had this portable, this, like, little tiny, even smaller Death Star. And, I mean, their Death Stars were showing up left and right in the old yeah. legends early on before they got, like, they started moving forward. More. But what, I think part of why that felt ridiculous and this worked more for me was that, like, in Dark Empire was supposedly only, like, like five or six yeah. years after Return of the Jedi. And, like... There's no way they would have been able to build up all this stuff this quickly. Yeah. At least in this scenario with the sequel trilogy, they have like 30 years to kind of regroup and basically go at this with a new plan. So for me, at least, like, I, because I was, we were talking about after the movie, like how similar it had with like some of this ridiculous EU stuff. But I was like, well, I think it didn't bother me as much because it did fit a lot better, I think. And they did a smart move in teasing it in the trailer so people aren't just like, what? Yeah. Now, it would have been, I do feel it would have been a bit stronger if we'd had a little bit more inkling of the Empire, of the Emperor being alive in, yeah. in some of the previous movies. But I, I, again, modern movies, you wish they had more connectivity and stuff. But you take it at least on the same, if you judge it by, like, the original, original trilogy. Oh, there's a second Death Star. You're like, what? Yeah. Or like, there was something else that, I mean, like, oh no. Obi-Wan's like, oh yeah, he actually, he died from a certain point of view. I mean, there's this, mm. and some of that happens this time. No, oh no, your parents wanted to be unknown. Right. Um, a reinterpretation. And- which is very Jedi. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I know there's some people that complain that like, they clearly didn't have this whole, the whole thing planned out. It's like, okay, look. George Lucas really didn't have it all planned yeah. out either from the very beginning. It keeps that serialized format <laughs> to a certain extent. Yeah. So I want to mention that Exegol is a great planet. It was one visually one of the most interesting new locations. It was yeah, it was I agree. I think it was a very it was a cool look and and distinguished itself while feeling very true to uh the Emperor kind mm-hmm. of motifs. Yes. Let's see. I, you know, generally, I thought it was a lot of fun. I have a question, Tim. And maybe you've seen this movie twice now. Yes. Correct? So here's my question. And Zach and I were, I got a an possible answer, but I don't know if the movie actually answers it. So apparently Palpatine wants Ray dead, except no, he really wants her there. It's tricky because 
I do think there's a certain amount of Palpatine revising his plans on the fly. Okay. Like, if Ray's not going to do it this way, okay, I'll do it this way. So it's – I'm not uh, – I don't think it's a plot hole, but it is – it's a shame that it was never addressed yeah. somehow. It's one of those things that could be clearer. I, I was recently reading some of the Darth Vader comics. And it's interesting that Palpatine's always like – putting him against other people to kind of and some of things, maybe there's just like well if kylo can't kill her then she must be better than you know sort of this mm-hmm. well whoever gets to me yeah i'll make this happen one way or the other and I, and the emperor has always been like ha i have all the cards i know everything is going to happen even if he doesn't necessarily yeah. you want luke dead and then you want luke to come there and take his place i mean so there's some of that but yeah. it's the problem is the movie moves so fast mm-hmm. you don't think about it. then you start thinking you know, some people i'm not as much but some people are like Oh, wait, they didn't think this out. They just wanted us not to think about it. I'm not sure that's true. Yeah, it's tricky. I have – I saw one person say something about J.J. Abrams, which I thought was a fair criticism that that J.J. really focuses a lot on how he wants his audiences to feel leaving the theater. And their complaint was like people like to think about their movies too. And you can kind of tell with the direction J.J. makes certain decisions that, mm-hmm. yeah, the feeling is more important than like the – Understanding the whole layout of the world and and all this stuff. Yeah, he is very laser-focused on just whoever's in front of you and what they're doing and not always the consequences outside of that. Yes, yeah, very much. I mean, I do think there is room, just like there always has been in Star Wars, with Star Wars movies, for people outside of the movies, writers, novelists, yeah. whatever, to fill in the gaps. Yes, and they will. At this. And they will. And, and I do think, like I, like I said earlier... Rise of Skywalker gives you a lot to accept at face value mm-hmm. starting into it. If you're able to accept that, I think you can find – make the connections a lot easier. Like, for example, another thing that I felt like actually the first few minutes of this movie really helped explain, Snoke. Yeah. No one understood where Snoke came from. We'd been wondering all this time. Especially since it just seemed weird that there would be another powerful Dark Force user yeah. that would have been – apparently it was as old as the Emperor that would have been working alongside of him. Where was he all this time? Yeah, yeah. That, that was weird. That was weird. So it made sense like, oh, he was a puppet the entire time. <laughs> yeah. like Just like Yoda. Yeah. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wrong wrong use of the word. Boo. <laughs> it was CGI anyways for half of it. So so here's a question, Tim. A quick, couple quick shots. What's your views on Finn in this movie? I like Finn in this movie a lot, actually. In some ways, it would be nice to have more screen time with him. Some people feel like he was kind of underutilized this entire trilogy. Which is uh, is a fair criticism. It is a fair criticism, I think, yeah. But what I like about Finn is that they were – I love the fact that he was Force-sensitive. Yes. I felt like that explained a little bit. Again, without having to go into great detail, because the week before Rise of Skywalker, I rewatched Force Awakens and Last Jedi. And with Force Awakens, I was like, hmm, this still feels like something why Finn kind of woke up from – Yeah. Finn became woke, to <laughs> use a, a horrible current day term. But they never fully explored, I felt like, why he became the stormtrooper that broke off Wait, his programming. Yeah. And they talked about it here, and it's like, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's interesting. We talked about afterwards how the Force seems a lot more proactive in these movies yes. somehow. Which is an inter- interesting choice. I think it's been evolving as culture evolves to a certain extent, which actually I'm not completely sure Lucas would be against. Because he kind of wanted the Force to just be this religious talking point, I think, more mm-hmm. than something specific. Yeah. Well, I mean, from the rumors about what he wanted to do with the wills. Yeah. It became more proactive. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I no, I agree with you. I enjoyed I enjoyed Finn. Um, I have to say, even though some people think it's ridiculous, Calvary Attack on Top of Destroyer is awesome. Indeed, I agree. I, I, that's why I watch Star Wars. I mean, <laughs> I uh, go off the interpretation that they weren't uh, the Star Wars destroyers weren't actually out of the atmosphere yeah, of that Exocol so, yet. Yeah. So yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's probably safer, honestly, than doing Starfighters when you have all those turbo lasers and everything. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the I don't know what her name is that joined up. Some of the side characters I enjoyed. Um, gold face lady, I gold face. Lady. She has the, she has the helmet. She's like the bounty <laughs> hunter. Poe meets. Her. Oh yes, okay. I, I want to see Poe and her hang out in some movie I, or yeah. TV show or that something. would be fun. Poe, I have to say, I've always ever since we had the X wing pilot, I'm like, oh yes, and then like he he never got a lot to do that I really enjoy. And then this movie, I'm like, yes, Poe is being Poe. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy. Well, it was nice to finally see the, the three new characters together through mm-hmm. the whole thing. And it's not not as if the characters always had to be together. I mean, yeah. they're like Han, Luke, and Leia are apart for most of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Well, actually, pretty much all of it. <laughs> but they had never really spent a whole lot together, the three of them, yeah. in the first one. Poe was gone for most of it. So it was really nice to, to see that dynamic and seeing that they they've they've had a history now so that was a lot of fun one other thing about finn i want to bring out and this will tie into ray which ray is a big category so but the nice thing about finn being force sensitive is that it really it feeds that desire people had for ray to be unassociated from anyone else oh yeah that and honestly the criticism that star wars is suddenly is all about like this one particular family having being force sensitive yeah like no one says that about Yoda or Mace yeah. Windu or yeah. Qui-Gon Jinn or Obi-Wan. Yeah. No one knows anything about their families. So I think Finn and the other people, the other uh, ex-stormtroopers they encountered, I think show that, yeah, the Force can move through anyone. Oh, here's a question. It's all about families and strong families. Jedi don't have kids, right? They don't have families? Not not traditionally. So, so the whole genetic Force thing, no one's really ever – Tested, explored. That's true. Okay, I just that's actually just occurred to me for the first time that you know the Skywalkers and have this thing, but then again, they're one of the few ones that are like just living like normal people. Yeah, for like for as long as we're familiar with the the old Jedi Order, they didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, Luke says in Return of the Jedi, the Force is strong in my family. Yeah, so they were aware that. Well, in this case, at least, it is a thing. Yeah, and interesting, I guess. I guess that means even Obi-Wan and Yoda were familiar with that possibility, considering they hid them both. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. I, wonder why the, I wonder if that's why the Jedi don't have kids. It's because it just becomes this oligarchy. That could be. Anyways, all back to let's do Rey then, because she's Rey. <laughs> so, uh, again, I was perfectly fine last Jedi with her being a nobody for a variety of reasons. I was not. <laughs> yes, but I, do, I actually do really enjoy the, the explanation we get in this one of her being Palpatine's granddaughter like once upon time levels of like oh look rumblestiltskin's my granddad sort of thing <laughs> no i mean ray's family having being a history a talking point i was definitely on the team like that storyline is not fully fleshed out yet yeah. i was i was like there's there's got to be more there mm-hmm. i do also think it helps explain just why she was i mean she was awfully good at using the force really fast yeah. I mean, not that anyone can't figure force stuff out, but like the, the, she the stuff she quick. was, a, she was very quick learner, and the stuff she was about able to do that quickly. And I, I got thrown when we're talking Ray and her force powers. The whole Ray Kylo dyad thing, I think it's kind of cool. I think I think it's kind of cool. I mean, you got basically yeah. two necks, Psy. 
the Floro Nexus. It's interesting. The the dyad thing was something I did not even catch my first watch through. Oh, really? Okay. I, I, I noticed it. Well, because they really only mention it like twice. Yeah, it's real. I mean, there's so much happening. There's so much happening. Like Kylo mentions it. I th- think right after he reveals Ray's lineage. Yeah. And he's like, the Emperor doesn't even realize what we have yet. And then later, the Emperor does realize, and they're like, ah, yeah. you know. But uh, it's a neat idea. And it kind of, I mean, that does pay off the two. You know, Palpatine's insane powers and then Skywalker's latent powers. And and it makes sense. I, I read one of the writers talking about how, again, if you're going to try to tie the whole saga into this, it makes sense to bring Palpatine was really the the mastermind behind all this and caused so much many problems yeah. for the Skywalker clan. It makes sense that he that basically they've been – that he would be yeah. tied in with all his family stuff. And Okay. And just since we brought Kylo up. Kylo is, I think, the most fascinating of the new characters they introduced. Mm. I think he's very multifaceted. He's a different sort of – he's like he's constantly tempted to be good, mm-hmm. which is different than we normally get out of these Jedis or these fallen Jedis. Uh-huh. Um, I like how how his redemption went. I like the, the relation to him. And, like I heard someone say that they hated the kiss. Who was that, Natasha? Oh, the young adults that we had over at our house. They hated the kiss between Kylo and – Ray. Uh-huh. All guys. <laughs> All guys. I thought, I, I mean, part of me thought, and would have been okay to a certain extent with, it looked like that Ray was going to die and Kyle was going to live. I'm like, oh, Rise of Skywalker, okay. Um, mm. And it didn't happen, and I was fine with that too, but I would have been perfectly fine. I th- well, I don't know perfectly, but I would have accepted the that, other way. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. I When that first happened, I wasn't sure how I felt about it because I didn't really see their relationship as a romantic one. Mm-hmm. But over time, I've gotten to like it a lot more. There's a in- really interesting discussion that I've seen where they talk about um, the parallels between Ben and Anakin. Whereas okay. Anakin wanted to save Padme for himself. A lot of what the way he talked about it was very self-motivated. Yeah. It's like, and he, was, he became obsessed with having the power in order to do it. Whereas basically Ben – had to give up power in order to save someone that he loved. Okay. And oh, it's I like, like yeah, it's a, it's a really nice parallelism uh, yeah. between the two, the two men. So yeah, with that, I kind of go into it now. I mean, they definitely always had some sort of chemistry. They, they were, yeah, there was something there the whole time, especially, I mean, last year I ramped that up a lot. Right. And, and that's one of those things that I would say, people who say that I didn't like the criticism that of people who said that, the beginning of this movie was just trying to undo things from Last Jedi. Yeah. I, I don't I don't see that. Yeah, because they they incorporated the things that Last Jedi brought to Ray and Ben's relationship a lot. I mean that the the cool like whatever force, force transfer thing. Yeah, yeah that that whole dynamic was was still there and built on. Yeah, from and, what had happened before. Yeah, I think the characters that as they developed in Last Jedi were certainly then played up from that same spot. They didn't try to back them up from there. Right. At least from my remembrance. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask, what criticisms do you have for the movie, if any? <laughs> I'm trying to think because I, I, I know I had some. I do think it is unfortunate we speed through so much stuff so quickly. Yeah. Um, I think it's unfortunate, like I said before, that the sequel trilogy doesn't have more foreshadowing of the Emperor about having any of this, this stuff. A lot of this stuff just kind of feels like it's spring out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I know we said before that, like, yeah, other Star Wars movies is not – too unusual from that, but it's a different era. And- it's a different era. It would be nice if that, some of that stuff had been there. One theory I thought would be fun to see. Um, I kind of dug that Hux was the traitor. Yes, 
Because, yeah, that that was a nice pick up from the last one. You need one. a Hux comic miniseries of him, like, being the traitor. It'd be, be kind of cool. I saw another fun t- tweet about him where the, he was theorizing that he would, like, wake up. They would have dumped his body in a trash compactor and they'd, he'd wake up and be like – open up his thing and look at his like blast proof suit and be like those fools you don't you don't think i've been preparing for this <laughs> moment for ages it'd be awesome <laughs> would you be run the whole hux movie <laughs> hux a star wars story but there really wasn't <laughs> <laughs> a spinoff story i can see it uh but in this movie he wouldn't have really had much, that much more to do no i mean you're right one of the big things is just is so compressed and mm-hmm. there's so much you could do with it again that's in some ways it backed themselves into a corner having got so not having the plant, you know, he had to just get so much in there. Yeah. And the um, way that Star Wars are always trilogies. You can't yeah. expand it. Or I'll say one moment that I felt didn't work as well as I think they were trying to go for. I felt like the big scene at the end where a bunch of random people show up to help fight at the Battle of oh, Mexico. Yeah. It felt like they were trying to do an Avengers Endgame moment yeah. there. But aside from Wedge, who was super cool to see yeah. Wedge again. Um like you said, it's a little bit anime. It's a little bit like friendship is my power. It's kind of expected. Like you, it's cool, but it's also like trying to. Well, and I'm, I'm not sure it delivers the motion. At least for me, as much as they are playing it up. Yeah, I feel like there wasn't as much connection there as they were hoping. Like maybe if we had seen Lando like drumming up the troops. Yeah. If we had again, maybe a time constraint or yeah added to it, or if we could even recognize more of the people that were there, or just some of the alien species. <coughs> Yeah, yeah, because all we saw were a whole bunch of ships, and like, who are these people, and why did this work when it didn't work in Last Jedi? Yeah, it yeah was, what, what changed from that? Mm-hmm. Just something that I don't know, some sort, some sort of preconception that we we knew, because as far as we know, the resistance was still pretty much all on its own, so we had no idea that if anyone was actually listening to him, and I guess it drummed up more suspense not knowing that, but still. And Lando was just a really smooth talker, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so here's my my biggest complaint. It's not so much with the movie, but with, with the whole trilogy in general. Okay. And the movie, and because this movie's very fun, I enjoyed it. But Zach and I were talking about the problem is that this movie, this trilogy, doesn't accomplish anything. Is that we're at the same place we were at the end of Return of the Jedi? Palpatine's dead. Mm-hmm. Empire's dead. One Jedi's left running around. Yeah. And I think that's my biggest complaint with the movie. Like, yes, it's the end of the series. But we already had this end. Mm, yeah. I think that's a, that's a fair complaint. And again, I'm not sure it actually hurts the movie itself, but it hurts just the – I don't know. It just, it's just – it's unfortunate in some ways that we didn't actually – the only thing we really moved forward was we sent off the old crew. Yeah. That is a problem with this sequel trilogy in general. Like, And I've heard some people like – I've argued this myself. This is one reason why I didn't like – some of the extended universe stuff because it like it messed up the like the perfect happy ending that Return yeah. of the Jedi had, and this one's kind of like well, I would say some people would say this makes it seem like they'd accomplished nothing. I was like, well, not really. They did take out an empire. Mm-hmm. They did establish this kind of peace for a, a, a period time. of time. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's not nothing. But as, yeah, I do. And we're not. I mean, we've been watching Battle on Five. The, the fact that when you win a war, that there's Fallout is something, and more wars is not necessarily wrong. It just we never got a good sense how this was different from, mm-hmm. and and I wish, and this is just I guess my personal thing is that you know they say it's the end of the whole Skywalker story. 
it's really not it, it very rarely actually references the prequels. It tries to pretend mm. they don't exist. For the most part. For the most part. Yeah. When, like, like I thought the last war was the war earlier. I mean, Clone Wars is a giant. I mean, again, I'm not sure how you would, but to me where it's most obvious is you got the show Ewoks celebrating Cloud City. Like, Ewoks had nothing to do with this war. Cloud <laughs> City, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But no, nothing from any of the other plants that are known from – from prequel, prequel era. yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, Return of the Jedi at least shows Naboo, Coruscant. Well, that's like, that's the special edition. Well, yeah, but that's the official one now. Well, Nick, you're going to get people mad with that. <laughs> I know, but it's the one that says, "Hey, the prequels matter," and this is the end of the six movie. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. And that's, again, I'm not really mad about. I enjoyed the movie, but sort of the big picture Star Wars thing. It's yeah. I mean, they did reference Episode Three when they first showed the Emperor. He he quoted himself from they, Revenge of the Sith. That's true. They did, which that's was true. important. I think they they realized that was a good hook to base his return off of. Yeah. But yeah, the, I I do agree. There could have been more. I mean, the scene where we got uh, heard all the Jedi talking to Rey was cool. We heard Mace Windu yeah. and Qui Gon. And- I wonder why they decide not to do Force Ghosts and just talking. I don't know, maybe. I mean, talking was cool. Yeah, yeah. But it would be it would have been cool to see like little bits of all these people that we love from you know, especially through and some of the people from the cartoon and stuff. There would yeah. have been like like cheering in the crowd from hardcore Star Wars fans. It's like suddenly, oh, there's Osuka or Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, that bless you. <laughs> yeah, that would have been fun, but yeah, it may have yeah. just been easier to do it with voices. Yeah, I, and- there's nothing wrong with it. Good lightsaber battles, good tension, good – I mean there's a lot that I really enjoyed about it. I mean it's interesting to think uh, my brother-in-law who's a Taekwondo person. Oh, my uh, brother is too. Yeah. yeah. They might know each other. Fancy that. But this is, the, the lightsaber battles in this trilogy are tend to be a lot more like brutal or like <laughs> a lot less refined. Kylo has no finesse. No. <laughs> and, and honestly, neither does Rey. No, she doesn't either. They're just like <laughs> brute force. <laughs> just hack at each other. Well, they didn't have like 20, 15 years of Jedi training. Okay. I guess here's what other criticism I'll say about the, the movie. And again, I think someone pointed this out on online. The dagger thing kind of felt unnecessary. Like I'm, I'm okay with like having a treasure hunt essentially to find the way to get to Exegol. But when, when she gets there, she takes the dagger You have to out. stay in the right exact place for it to make any sense. Yeah. And like that's a JD thing, I think. But why not just tell her go to the Emperor's throne room? <laughs> what? That's all you really needed to yeah. say. You didn't make need to make a, like a, a national treasure. So they made sort of, that. They had to make that after it crashed. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, the logistics would be insane, and you had to stand in the right spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of like oh, and in Jones, we're here right at the right time of the sun to set through the. But it's even weirder. Because there's, there's no indication for why, where that is or anything you, you, like that. If you were like, you know, 100 paces back, it wouldn't have fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. So that was silly. Yeah. I enjoyed her her dark vision with like double, oh, yeah. double-bladed evil ray. I think that we could have seen more of that. <laughs> I, I'm sure there would be some sort of spinoff comic where like, what if evil ray? Probably. So, and she has vampire teeth for some weird reason. <laughs> because that's what you do when you become the Sith. You go to the dentist. And like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the Sith dentist. Don't make me laugh. <laughs> All right. Well, because otherwise we'll talk for this forever. Should we move to Mandalorian? Or do you have other things we have not? I know there, we could touch things for a long time. I'll just wrap it up with I like – I know some people online didn't. I like that Ray decided to choose the Skywalker name. 
Mm-hmm. It made sense to me. I got you. It, well, at first, at the at, <laughs> Zach in the background is, is shaking head. <laughs> come, come join us, Zach. <laughs> no, it's cool because here, here's why. Well, for one thing, Ray can't use the Palpatine name. <laughs> like, doesn't use the Hitler name. Go find her mother's name. Well, I suppose. But here's the thing: Luke and Leia basically were her adopted parents. Luke trained her. Leia trained her. It sounds like there's a lot more of the Leia training in the between. Yeah, probably. I think she Leia did a lot of training with the year. And the first time when we saw the movie, I was super aware of what they were doing with the Leia. Like oh, yeah. I could I could just kind of imagine how the the dialogue they used from her could have been was pulled from previous deleted scenes. Um, second time I watched it, it didn't. I, I didn't think about that as much, and it and it flowed. It, it worked amazingly well for what amazingly they were doing. well for what they had to do with it. Yeah. So yeah. It makes sense to me that it's – and the other fascinating thing about this is that it's another kind of refutation of the Jedi Order penchant for not having any kind of familial oh, connections. connections because basically Rey got adopted by the enemy. Like mm-hmm. if if Luke and Leia knew where she came from but still loved on her and, yeah. and treated her well, apparently it's – that's a really interesting refutation of the Jedi. Like, no, you have to let go of attachments. Yeah. It's- or we could have just called the new Jedi Order they're going to create Skywalkers. Well, I think that was interesting. And not call it, it – to call it the Rise of Skywalker and not let that be Ben Solo finding his true – the way he should have been. And then cheapen it by her just going – Ray Skywalker. It's lame. It was dumb. I didn't like it. Hazel didn't like it. We didn't like it. I did hear a weird uh, random thing that the the lady that rides the horses, Lando's love child. Oh, I have heard that. Oh, real? Like legitimate? Like canon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was an idea they wanted to explore well, at some point. Okay. Because she was a Ray stormtrooper, too. Dumb. And you want to get rid of the Skywalker, like the line that 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 like we're done with the Skywalker story? Then stop. Brianna agrees it was dumb. Does Brianna agree with that? Yes, Brianna agrees. Okay. Well, I I disagree. But fight, fight. Now, because I mean, it's sad. I would, yeah, like many other people, I would love to see more Ben Solo redeemed mm-hmm. i said i think i said in our previous discussion about last jedi it would be interesting to not kill kylo off after he yeah, got redeemed i know just to see the repercussions but the problem with getting redeemed is you die <laughs> in almost any media well no it depends on how far redeemed where how far down you went because really you can't see like also you were wrong with the ray and uh ben solo thing everybody saw it coming and the kiss was Perfect. Um, uh, Now he decides to interject stuff. I think that... What was I saying before that? I don't know. The Skywalker thing. The Skywalker, I thought. No, it wasn't. Big edits. Don't 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 kill someone off after they get redeemed. You can't go around afterwards being like, oh, and here's the new founder of the Jedi Order. He murdered... Millions. Um, it yeah. doesn't work yeah. in like Le- logistically. Would like, and this is why like Paul in the Bible is such a great thing. But it's like 
No, you can't watch it in movies. You can't be because after you were like dinner parties would be really unfortunate. You're like, oh yeah, you you helped destroy my whole planet. Thanks, that was awesome. Oh, all those millions of kids in servitude. That's you guys. Yeah, it doesn't work. You had to kill him, which is uh, unfortunate. But. Yeah, unfortunately, I think I'm with you there. I mean, again, I've seen some people who are pretty upset about Ben Solo dying. I'm just like, uh, but. Logistically, it, it, you just go to jail. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And honestly, if if you're really upset about how uh, the Skywalkers turned out, and to be honest, their their life in the the sequel trilogy is not much worse than what happened in the extended universe. Probably, probably yeah. better. Honestly, <laughs> extended universe is just ridiculous. But anyway, that's a whole another can of worms. So yeah, I think that's all all that I have. Like I said, go Ray Skywalker. Uh, <laughs> um, and I could completely see. I've heard they've talked about maybe doing movies off some of the characters, possibly. Possibly. And I could see that because there's a lot, there's a lot of – one thing the new trilogy did give us is characters that I wouldn't mind seeing more of. Yeah. And the other thing I feel about – I'm thankful that this sequel trilogy turned out the way it did. And I'm thankful for Rise of Skywalker for wrapping it up this way in this kind of big space fantasy epic kind of way mm-hmm. because i've learned thanks to like things like the clone wars that i do enjoy different kinds of star wars stories but the movies you want to be well at least at least this particular saga now i'm i'm totally fine with them doing different kinds of movies like more rogue one kind of yeah. movies that have a different kind of vibe to them i think i'm fine with that now and and whatever ryan johnson does with his upcoming trilogy or any yeah. other things i'm okay with that because i feel like the episodic numbered movies had this kind of classic star wars vibe to them yeah they that, did do that yeah. so they're kind of bigger than life and not just about like i don't want to worry about like well where'd they get all the people to man all those you star destroyers yeah, you don't care who, who cares none this sort of movie don't care yeah yeah so for for the the kid of me who just loves to see like big stakes star wars on an epic scale, this this fit in right right in yeah, for me. I will I will completely agree. I I enjoyed it. And speaking of a different kind of Star Wars story, though, the Mandalorian. So Tim, quick take: like it or not? I enjoy it. I like it a lot. I mean, I'm not going to be. I was not. The first episode did not sell me as hard as some people. I uh, see. I was sold after <laughs> ep- I was sold after episode one. Like this is my sort of thing. I told you for me it was it was the uh, the chase of the Ewok transport or that, the Jawa that, yeah sorry it was the chase down of the Jawa transport that that sold me I think because I was like okay this Mandalorian guy is not just the you know tough and all the stuff but he at the same time I didn't know I needed a, a Jawa transport chase scene see I think Mandalorian is best explained as being basically like almost a comic book. It doesn't actually create much new. Yeah. It plays with a lot of the familiar elements, which is really fun if you grew up with the original trilogy. It's like, oh, it's delicious scrum being roasted. Or it's, <laughs> you know, it's IG-88, but not 88. And it's, you know, it's, oh, is it Ugnot? You know, it's, it's all these fallback callbacks. And it's almost like a, like a really high-budget fan fiction. Mm, mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. And like, I really, like, ooh, Mandalorians are cool. And... We get space battles, and we get a you know rogue ATST, and we get Baby Yoda and <laughs> X wings every once in a while, and a Tie Fighter. Land. Like I'm just fascinated. I just love watching Tie Fighter land. Like I, I love Tie Fighters, and you know just to see them up close and like not a cartoon is yeah. cool. 
Yeah, no, it was it was satisfying just to be able to explore this world we know all so well. And and yeah, it's not like the stories were really anything groundbreaking. No. I mean, like one episode is basically kind of a ripoff of the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Um, but those are familiar story concepts that people know, and it was just fun to see it in a with Star Wars clothes in a universe that we know and love so well. I, I think they were likable characters. They were relatively simple stories, but I think for Star Wars, that's a that's a selling point. Mm. I mean, that's sort of a thing. And if you love the world, it's fun to see corners of the world that you haven't seen, see people living, and, and just visually, it's very exciting. And I, it was just, to me, just very enjoyable um, because, I don't know, it, just, it was just kind of solid storytelling. Yeah. Now, for me, the most satisfying kinds of stories on Mandalorian were the ones that involved these people from the underworld basically kind of not forced but kind of brought into the situations where they have to choose the, the right thing, yeah. the noble thing. Like I think that's one difference between like the like the the episodes I really liked about protecting Baby Yoda or yeah. things, things like that, as opposed to like Firefly. I remember we talked about how I was not as quite as enamored with it as some people because the, a lot of the crew on Firefly are really not good people. No, and like most of these guys, they're rough, but they lean good. Yes, and and that's that's an enjoyable thing to watch, and it's kind of re, you know redeeming. You know, like they're not like. We're just going to kill people. It's like right. we're trying to be good people, and it's a complicated world. That's that's one of the reasons why I found – the one of the episodes I found least satisfying was the prison break scene mm. because, like, it just – I didn't really care for any of the characters that they were running around with. It just kind of – and the end was kind of just – I mean, he locked them all up, which is cool, but at the same time, it was like, eh, it wasn't that – it was, it just wasn't my cup yeah. of tea. Now, it's interesting. They do the whole season and really reveal nothing about the main mystery. I, I mean, I'm fine with because – in some ways, however, they answer the not Baby yeah. Yoda. I mean, you can get away with that on a Disney Plus series where you've got like we're pretty sure, certain we've got something going on yeah. here. And it'll be it'll be hard to answer in a way that's both satisfying and not too. I think there's got a certain amount of mystique going to be about his race, regardless. Possibly, but you can tell that John Favreau and the other people involved love star wars oh yeah i mean the whole thing just oozes people who just really enjoy yeah and there there were some um you know they mentioned mos espa which mm-hmm. is the tatooine place from episode one yeah. so and they all they talk about gungan <laughs> they talk about gungan gungans. They, well, they talk, his ship's a, like a freighter ship a rebel old rebel like clone war era ship oh really yeah it's like the drop ships i think you, you might be i hadn't thought about that huh it does kind of look like those i think i think or it's related i think mm-hmm that um, makes sense. That's a good point. So like, yeah, Life Day. They mentioned Life Day, <laughs> <laughs> which is so it means at least one thing from the Christmas special is canon now. Yeah, yeah. How Hopefully dare. nothing else. How dare they? We never want anything else canon, but we can canon that Life Day. Sure, why not? Why not? It sounds like a thing that would happen. <laughs> so yeah, I was. I learned later because I didn't haven't watched Clone Wars or Rebels that that dark saber getting thrown around in was a thing that I guess Darth Maul used to own. Oh, really? I didn't know Darth Maul. I, I heard that there's really only one of those. Yeah. Actually, I think I have this Darth Maul comic. I think he's holding it on the cover. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know he ever got a hold of it. Interesting. Well, and I had had to have someone explain to me that apparently – because like in Clone Wars, Mandalore is a planet. Yes. But apparently at some point the Empire completely raised it. And I think that must be after – after even Rebels, Zach, do you know? You watch Rebels. Do the, does the Empire take over Mandalore in Rebels, or is it after that even? Because they talk about the Purge here, and I think that must have happened later than... Well, it, it might actually wind up happening in the new season of Clone Wars that's coming out soon. Okay. I don't know for sure. 
I know that there's an there's some sort of storyline about Mandalore coming up in the new season. Um, but yeah, I need to catch up on Rebels. So in any case, I really I I really enjoyed Mandalore uh, Mandalorian. It's just fun to see a weekly TV show that feels super Star Wars. Oh yeah, and it, it opens up. I don't know how much money or time it takes to make a season like that, but. It makes me wish there were more of these sorts of things, and that there's there's way, there's a corners universe in styles that we have not explored yet that would work mm-hmm. best in TV. Now that we have the resources to do it in TV, right? I mean, you're still you still have some limitations on like locations, and where desert you go. planets, basically. <laughs> yeah, desert well, one forest planet, yeah. Um, but I mean, they use they use those things pretty cleverly, yeah. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do for a season two. Um, but certainly, yeah, it, it, it opens the door for what a Star Wars TV show. I can't believe we actually have one of those. Now. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just an animated one, which the animated ones are great. But, yeah, a live action one is yeah. is a long held dream of, of ours, I yeah. think. So, yeah, that's exciting. And I'll also be curious to see what uh, other Disney Plus TV shows are like mm-hmm. when they get the Marvel ones down the road. Yep. Yeah, we'll have to talk about those at some point. Have you seen Have you seen the promos stuff for WandaVision? Not really, but I know that it's wonky it, it seems very wonky i'm quite curious to see what they have in mind with that but anyway so yeah that's that's a lot of star wars talk yep did we miss anything i'm sure we did but nothing i can think of offhand so we're good this has been sidetrack number 10 Woo-hoo. most of them star wars and some weird early ones like <laughs> about the event guys um <laughs> remember that show event? yeah we, we should hijack that sometime I wonder if you can find that anywhere. I, I want a streaming service with just like one season of shows that no one cares about. <laughs> and we'll just hijack all those. That'd be oh, great. Dear. Anyways, so um, hopefully you've enjoyed your Star Wars. If you strongly disagree with us, you can feel free not to email. No, you can email us uh, with your opinions at uh, derailedtrains at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes. I don't know how you're listening to this if you haven't, but go ahead. We're also on Stitcher and Spotify. So until next time, guys, thank you for listening. And this is Tim. This is Nick. Bye-bye.